Thank you, Jonathan. Find uh, Philippians chapter 2 in your copy of the scripture. If you're visiting for the first time with us this morning, we have been in a series in the book of Philippians talking about true joy and contentment. True joy and contentment that's not based on whatever is going on around us, but is based on Christ within us. Uh, this morning we're going to be in chapter 2 beginning in verse 19. I told you at the very beginning that I may not cover every passage. And you'll notice we, we concluded last week with verse 11 in chapter 2. And the reason I'm not picking up this morning in, in verse 12 is because back at the outdoor service in July when we had the outdoor baptismal service, uh, we did the passage in verse 12 and following. And so you can go online and go back and hear that message about what it means to work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Uh, this morning we're going to pick up with what would be next after that passage, verse 19. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about the joy of Christian friends. I was also going to skip over this passage, but I thought, you know, during this time of COVID-19 with all the isolation, uh, we need to talk about Christian friendships, amen? And how important relationships are during this time because a lot of people are uh, isolated and lonely. We're told depression is way, way up. And, you know, going into the holidays, probably only going to get worse in that regard. So let's talk this morning about the joy of Christian friendships. And so if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we'll pick up in verse 19, and we will read down through the end of the chapter. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Thank you. You may be seated. As we've been studying, uh, the book of Philippians is all about joy 
and contentment. I want to briefly catalog some of the reasons we've already seen as to why Paul emphasizes joy in this letter. So just a moment by way of review, think about some of these things. We can have joy knowing that we are God's child and we have been forever forgiven. We can have joy because we know that His work in us is not complete. Paul said in verse 6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. We can have joy over our partnership together in the gospel. That's one thing that, that uh, was so fond in Paul's mind about the Philippians. They were partners together with him in the work of the gospel. We can have joy amidst bad circumstances because God is sovereign over circumstances. God uses circumstances to open doors for the gospel we may not have previously had. Like Paul, God may have you uh, where you are for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel. You may not like where you are at this station in your life. You may not like your circumstances. But God has you in that for a reason. And you can assume it is to further the good news of Jesus Christ. We can have joy and contentment as we live a single-minded devotion to Christ. There's no joy and contentment in our hearts if we've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. We can have joy in the church as we look after one another's needs, serve one another, put one another ahead of ourselves, and so display the mind of Christ. Some of the reasons we've looked at so far. Now, in these verses today, Paul is going to give us one more reason for joy in the Lord. We can have joy as we discover deep and abiding friendships in the Lord. Friendships among believers that are so needed. Remember what Jesus said in John 13, By this the world will know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Friendships and love that we have in the body of Christ ought to be a source of joy and contentment in our lives. What an appropriate passage for what all is going on this year. As you think of the isolation that people are, are sensing from, from COVID-19. And as I mentioned a moment ago, as we get ready to go into the holidays, how that isolation will probably only deepen. You may have, like me, read about a man from the UK this past week, 75 years old. He's a physicist. His beloved wife of 35 years just died back in May of pancreatic cancer. He has no friendships. They did not have any children. He's so lonely, he says, many days, I, I spend my entire day without talking to a soul. He's made business cards up, so when he goes to the supermarket and other places, he hands them out and he's asking in that business card, would somebody be his friend? And he leaves his contact information. So far, crickets, nobody's responded. 
because his house and the big bay window on the front is right there on the sidewalk and the road. He's put a big sign in his window now appealing for friends. He just says he's, he's so lonely and he's hoping to get some traction from that. How sad. And you know that tells me he probably has no church family. Because if he did, he would have friends there, I would hope. Folks, we need to understand that we are not created to go through life alone. Adam was given Eve. Adam and Eve were given children. The reality is that God created us to be in a sense of community, to have community. The Apostle Paul would have told you that he was a richer man because of friends like he mentions in these verses today. You know, we could say poor indeed is the man or woman who does not have friends. We live in what can at times be a very cold and impersonal world. And in this type of a world, you need a friend. And you need the right kind of, of friend. One report has said that only one in five Americans truly has a friend. Only one in five. Now folks, in this passage we're introduced to two of Paul's dear friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And what we learn about these two men can be a tremendous blessing to us. We're going to look at qualities in their lives that made them such dear friends to the Apostle Paul. And I would encourage you to write down these qualities because these are friendship qualities you ought to be praying that you would have so that you would be the right kind of friend. And save some time, uh, save some space, I should say, as you're making your notes because at the end, I'm going to give you three life principles that I hope you'll write down and, and remember and put into practice as well. But first of all, this morning, let's look at Timothy. Timothy is mentioned again in verses 19 to 24. Timothy was perhaps Paul's closest companion in the ministry. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul refers to him as my true child in the faith. My true child in the faith. He's mentioned in the opening of 6 of the Apostle Paul's letters. Two other letters are addressed specifically to Timothy. Of course, that would be 1st and 2nd Timothy. We first meet Timothy in the book of Acts, chapter 16, and from that time on, there's been a special bond, a special kinship between Paul and Timothy that has formed and that bond and that friendship has been a blessing to the Apostle Paul as he goes about his missionary work. And then of course we know in the book of 2 Timothy Paul is passing the baton on to Timothy because Paul knows that his death is near and so he's giving Timothy a charge to pick up where he's left off. Now, there's four friendship characteristics that are pointed out about Timothy here. And I want to encourage you to not only be a friend like this, but look for friends 
that display these same characteristics. First of all, Paul mentions that Timothy is somebody that he has a kindred spirit with. A kindred spirit. Friendships begin with a sense of commonality. In fact, the Greek word here means this. It refers to a commonality. Paul and Timothy were kindred spirits. What a blessing to have friends like this. Paul said, I have no one else like Timothy. He's the right man for the job. If I can't come to you myself in person, I will send him. Because he will be like me coming to you. Now, I want you to remember Paul's circumstance. It was less than ideal. It helps to have a Timothy if you're going through a tough time. If you're going through a trial, to have somebody that is a kindred spirit with you. Paul was imprisoned. But despite that, his life was more joyful, more content. His life was brighter because of a good friend by the name of Timothy. Timothy was a bright spot in his life during a time of hardship. You know, folks, one thing we're all going to encounter in life if we live long enough is we're going to go through trials and tribulations. James says so. That we're going to fall into all kinds of various trials of different circumstances. We don't go looking for hardships and trials. As I've told you before many times, nobody got up this morning saying, God, Send me some trials in my life today. I want some hardship. I want some valleys to go through. But those things just happen to us. And when we go through those valleys, when we go through those trials and hardships, it helps to have a close friend. Somebody that we have fellowship with. Somebody that's a kindred spirit. Somebody who understands us. I hope you have a friend like that and I hope you are a friend like that. Friendships like that don't just happen. They've got to be cultivated. A second friendship characteristic of Timothy. He had a concern for people. Paul says of him, he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Timothy was with the Apostle Paul when Paul had that Macedonian vision. You remember Paul kept trying to go different directions. He was unsure of where to take the gospel next. And he had that Macedonian vision, that that man saying, come over here and help us. And so Paul concluded that was God speaking to him. That was God's will pointing him in the direction that he needed to go next. Well, Timothy boarded the boat with the Apostle Paul, set out from Troas, went to Samothrace and on to Neapolis, and finally they arrived at Philippi. At Philippi, Timothy had witnessed the conversion of the businesswoman Lydia. He saw Paul and Silas thrown into jail, and the Philippian jailer was converted as well. And so from small beginnings, a church had been planted there at Philippi, and Timothy had been there with the Apostle Paul every step of the way. 
You know what that meant? That meant that Timothy shared Paul's concern over the well-being of the Philippians. He was concerned about them too. He had been there to witness the beginning of this work. Saw firsthand what Jesus said when Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, I will build my church. Timothy had witnessed that at Philippi. Folks, friends are genuinely concerned about others who are their friends. A true friend wants to see their friends prosper. We want to see good things for those that we love. We have a genuine concern. We're not just concerned about ourselves. We're concerned about the well-being of our friends. That's how Timothy was. It wasn't just Paul concerned about the Philippians. Timothy was concerned about them. A third quality, a very important quality that oftentimes we overlook, Timothy had a kingdom focus. Look at what Paul says about him in verse 21. He says, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. Friends in the Lord want to see the same thing when it comes to God's work. We want to see God's work prosper. We work together to introduce people to faith in Christ, disciple people, see God's work prosper. And God glorified in and through His people. That's something we have in common as Christians. We don't live in this world simply for ourselves and our own things that we're doing. We live together in this world as Christian friends striving to bring glory and honor to God. And you know what makes Christian friendships so special when there's this kingdom focus? There's a, there's a third member in this friendship, the Holy Spirit that creates a special bond among Christian friends. Paul and Timothy both wanted to see God's will done at, at Philippi. I tell you what, when you have a friend that cares equally with you about seeing God's will done, you've got something special there. Don't take it for granted. For one thing, a friend like that will know how to better pray for you. Not all friends can effectively pray for you, but a Christian friend can because he understands or she understands your heartbeat and what's important to you. Paul and Timothy were friends like that. Paul could have sent others to do the job. After all, you read the book of Romans and Paul greets 26 Christians by name in Rome. He mentions those 26 in Romans 16. Now remember where Paul is when he, when he writes Philippians. He's in jail in Rome, writing to the Philippians. But folks, it's interesting, he doesn't mention those 26 people there in the church at Rome. For some reason or another, he concluded that they just wouldn't do for this particular job. 
Plus, there were many of them, apparently from what he says here in verse 21, they are all seeking after their own interest. What a shame that Paul said the others in the church were like this. Maybe this is the group that he mentions in chapter 1 when he said, Some seeing my chains, seeing my imprisonment, they're, they're emboldened to preach the gospel out of good motives and others are preaching the gospel out of bad motives. They're just seeking to increase my suffering. They're not looking after their own interests. I mean, uh, Christ's interests. They're looking after their own interests. Maybe that's the group that Paul is referring to here as well. But again, he knows Timothy is not that way at all. Timothy is selfless and has that same kingdom focus that, that, that Paul did. Paul wanted someone that he could send that would have the mind of Christ that he's just talked about in chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And he knew Timothy would be the right man who would display that attitude. A fourth friendship quality about Timothy. He had a servant's heart. He mentions that in verse 22. A servant's heart. He had stuck through thick and thin with the Apostle Paul. He had shared Paul's burden for the advancement of the gospel. He had labored beside Paul. So many of Paul's friends had deserted Paul. They were fair-weather friends. They were sort of like the friends that the prodigal son in Luke 15 had. You know, as long as the prodigal son had everything, they wanted to be there and help him spend it. But when he fell on hard times, they disappeared. That's how a lot of Paul's friends were, but not Timothy. He had stuck there alongside of the Apostle Paul and been a servant to Paul. Folks, you know how important that is to have friends that are servants. You, you look after them and serve them and they do the same for you. They're not selfish. That's a very important friendship quality. And because of that, Paul says here, you know all about his proven worth. That phrase refers to somebody that's been tested and tried and has passed the test. Timothy has passed the test of a genuine Christian friend. Wonderful friendship characteristics for Christians to have together. Now let's look secondly at Epaphroditus. Paul begins talking about Epaphroditus in verse 25. Now folks, if you were putting together a who's who's list in the Bible, you probably would not name Epaphroditus. You would name Abraham and Moses and King David and the Apostle Paul himself and James and John and you would name people like that but I guarantee you you would not put Epaphroditus on your list of favorite Bible characters in fact is there anybody in here right now be honest don't just put your hand up you know fibbing about it you're in church remember but is there anybody in here this morning that Epaphroditus is your very favorite of all Bible characters? Now, if you raise your hand, I'm going to have you stand and tell us why. 
But is there anybody? No, of course not. He's relatively unknown. He wasn't a, an apostle like Paul. He wasn't an elder or a pastor like Timothy. As far as we know, Epaphroditus is simply a dedicated layman out of the church there at Philippi. But he's a layman of distinction. He's the type of person Paul must have had in mind when he was telling the Corinthians about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul was describing how some people have spiritual gifts that are, that are public. That everybody knows what their gift is. They exercise their gift publicly, like a teacher, for example. But Paul told the Corinthians, you know, there are some gifts in the church that are behind the scenes. They're not public. Nobody really sees the work being done. But Paul says, you know, the people practicing those gifts are sometimes more needed in the body of Christ. Nobody notices them. But they're the ones who get the bulk of the work done. That's how Epaphroditus was. Now, listen to his friendship qualities. Paul calls him my brother. How many people do you have in your life that you could refer to as your brother? We've got a lot of acquaintances. We've got a lot of casual friends. But how many people that you could say, man, he's like a brother to me? That's how Epaphroditus was with Paul. Like Timothy, that speaks of kinship. They were members of the same family, the family of God through faith in Christ. They were fellow heirs of the grace of life. They're brothers in the Lord. What's striking is the contrast to the times that Paul lived in. You see, Epaphroditus apparently is a Gentile. And in the first century, there was a great wall dividing Jews and Gentiles. And Paul continually tried to tear that wall down. That wall of prejudice. That wall of different nationalities. In the book of Ephesians, for example, Paul talks about how Jews and Gentiles were all one in Christ. The world wouldn't have put Paul and Epaphroditus as good friends, Paul had been a Jewish rabbi. Epaphroditus is a Gentile. But you know, Christ, faith in Christ, erases those barriers that are oftentimes erected between individuals. Have you noticed that? You take a Christian, Maybe a Christian, before they became a Christian, maybe they grew up prejudiced. They only associated with people like them. Same background. Same nationality. Same skin color. But they come to Christ, and coming to Christ ought to erase all of that. Amen? Because we're brothers and sisters now in one family, the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That ought to erase these barriers between us. 
than it had between Paul and Epaphroditus. As I've told you before, just think about how different the church family at Philippi was. You had Lydia, a prominent businesswoman. You had a demon-possessed girl who had been delivered of her demon possession. You had a Philippian jailer. Those were some of the people, along with Epaphroditus, that made up the brotherhood of the church there. They were from very different backgrounds and walks of life. But now, what are they? They're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Epaphroditus was a brother to Paul. A true sense of family. Folks, I hope you realize that among your Christian friends. Your Christian friend is is your brother in the Lord, your sister in the Lord. There's something deeper about that friendship. We serve a common Father, and, and we have a common purpose. Paul refers to him as my fellow worker, another quality about him. He got down in the trenches with the Apostle Paul. He cared about what Paul cared about, again, just like Timothy. A real camaraderie, common interest. These men are different, one a Jew, one a Gentile, one an apostle, one a layman, but they're on the same page, and so they're down in the trenches together serving the Lord. They're on the same team working for the same ends. Paul out front, visible. Epaphroditus behind the scenes, but still very effective in their own way. Another quality about him, Paul refers to him as a fellow soldier. Folks, think about Epaphroditus. Paul was a marked man. Paul's in prison. He would end up eventually being on death row for the gospel's sake. And Epaphroditus is essentially saying, Paul, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm in this spiritual warfare with you. We are soldiers in the Lord's army. And I'm going to stand together with you. No man left behind. That's Epaphroditus. If Caesar decided to give Paul the death sentence, any of Paul's friends and close associates could have likewise been been held as being just as guilty. But Epaphroditus is willing to take that risk. He's fighting the good fight of faith along with Paul. He's a soldier of the gospel. Next we could say he's a sensitive man. Verse 26, just like Timothy, he cared not only for Paul, but for the Philippians. He wanted to return to them to show them he was okay. He was worried about them because they were worried about him. In fact, the word used here to to describe Epaphroditus' concern for the Philippians is the same word that's used of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when we read that Jesus was distressed. Epaphroditus was sensitive to the Philippians. He was distressed over them because they had heard bad news about him and his sickness. Sensitivity to people shows compassion. 
I read about a man who, uh, a, a businessman in one town, operated a plant nursery. When he died, his funeral was the largest funeral that small town had seen. One person said, Hubert was the shyest man I've ever met. When he talked to you, he, he squirmed and he would blink his eyes nervously. He never ran in influential circles. He was anything but an extrovert. And yet the man was sensitive to people. He cared about people. He looked after people and he showed them how much he cared. And one after another at his funeral stood up and gave a testimony like that. That's somebody who impacts others. Amen? And that's the type of person Epaphroditus was. Verse 30 points out he was sacrificial. He was willing to lay down his life for Jesus' sake. Verse 30, Paul says, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. For the sake of the gospel, he had traveled from Philippi to Rome to carry out service for the Philippians, whatever personal cost might have been involved. You see, remember, the Philippians heard that Paul was under house arrest in Rome. And so they take up some kind of collection of what exactly they sent by way of Epaphroditus. We're not told, but Epaphroditus goes with whatever it was the Philippians wanted Paul to have while he was in prison. And Epaphroditus was willing to take on whatever kind of risk was associated with that kind of travel at that particular time. He was willing to put his life on the line. You know, Jesus said people like that, their reward in heaven is great. Jesus in John 15 verse 13 said, The greatest love a person can have for his friends is to lay down his life for them. And Epaphroditus was willing to do that for Paul. Now, folks, that's the kind of friends Paul had. Maybe that's one of the reasons Paul was able to accomplish as much as he did in a relatively short period of time. Think of all of his missionary journeys. Think of all the letters that he wrote. He accomplished so much for the sake of Christ, but he didn't do it alone. He had friends like Timothy and Epaphroditus who were there to help him along the way. Friends like that are such a blessing. Folks, there's so many other qualities of friendships the Bible talks about. Write down some of these verses. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, A friend does not break a confidence. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Proverbs 16, verse 29 says, A friend does not entice you into things against your better judgment. Proverbs 18.24, and I'll have more to say in a moment about this one. Friends are available when you need them. Proverbs 19.11, overlook small things and does not get angry. Boy, that's important, isn't it? Proverbs 12.25, builds up. A true friend builds you up and encourages you. 
And I want to give you some life principles or life lessons about friendships. Number one, you know as well as I do that friendships like this do not erupt on their own. You have to initiate them. You've got to cultivate them. You have to invest in them. Back to Proverbs 18, 24 a minute. says, to have friends, a man must show himself friendly. You know, some people are rude and critical and unkind and negative and they, have, they think they have the spiritual gift of being rough sandpaper. And then they tell you, Pastor, I don't have any friends. You want to say, yeah, go figure. <laughs> Occasionally somebody will come into the church They'll stay by themselves. They'll never get involved in a small group. They won't get involved in men's ministry, ladies' ministry, or Sunday school class, community group. And they leave the church, and they, 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 the whole time they're here, they kind of stay off to themselves. They leave the church and say, Pastor, I couldn't make any friends there. Well, of course you couldn't. To have friends, a man must show himself friendly. What kind of friend are you? That'll tell you everything you need to know about how many friends you have and what kind of friends they are. Do you show yourself friendly? Do you take the time to invest in friendships and cultivate those friendships? And, and just like Epaphroditus and Timothy both were servants to Paul, they had a servant's heart, a kingdom focus, they were fellow soldiers uh, along with Paul, uh, you've got to be that way with friends. In other words, not just thinking about yourself and what you desire. Secondly, friendships should demonstrate the gospel. Very important. I have known friends before to fall out over some disagreement they had. Now folks, I want you to think about that. The Bible says we were enemies of God. But in Christ, we have been reconciled to God. Those who were enemies to God are now friends of God through the work of Jesus Christ. What Christ has done for us should demonstrate that we need to endure with people and show grace. You know, even after being reconciled daily, we think about it. Even as Christians, we daily disappoint the Lord. Aren't you glad He doesn't fall out with us? The same gospel principle, uh, talking about Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, for your sake and my sake, showing us love and mercy and grace and forgiveness. That's the same gospel principles you and I have to demonstrate in our friendships. You need to think about that in your friendships. How quickly you might be to take offense at your friends. Maybe even write a friend off. 
What if Christ did you that way? A third principle. Friendship should deepen the gospel. Not only demonstrate the gospel, but deepen the gospel. Think about Timothy and Epaphroditus. They hung out with, with Paul. Biblical truths weren't just taught, they were modeled. Folks, when Jesus called 12 disciples, he didn't just say, Hey guys, 9.30 every Monday morning, show up by the Sea of Galilee and I'm going to have a 90-minute lesson with you then. They hung out with Jesus. They traveled with him. They ate with him. They went out on the Sea of Galilee fishing. They hung out together. Through Christian friendships, you can disciple people through that. As you model principles from the Word of God in your life, you, you can mentor people. You can help them in their, when, when they see how you respond in a bad situation, how you respond to a trial, how you respond to somebody getting angry with you. When they see just how you live your Christian life, you can model Christian discipleship to your friends. And hopefully by doing so, you're helping them to deepen their own walk with the Lord. They see what you're not willing to do because you, you don't want to compromise your testimony. They learn from you in, in all that. Folks, I don't think it's an accident that that uh, after hanging out with Paul, Timothy and Epaphroditus were dedicated believers themselves who demonstrated the same type qualities they saw in Paul. That's no accident. You know, a lot of times people love the big flashy assignments, but realize that just by living out the gospel around your friend, you can help them deepen in their own walk with the Lord. Don't take that for granted. I want to ask you to bow with me in prayer. And as you do so, I want to, I want to encourage you to begin praying about some close friends to help you if you're lonely or if you're going through a hard time. Pray that you would both be a friend like Timothy and Epaphroditus and you would have friends like Timothy and Epaphroditus. God knows your needs. If you're lonely and isolated and struggling, ask God to help you in this. You say, Pastor, are you saying pray about friendships? I mean, I thought I was supposed to pray about big things in life. That is a big thing in life. And besides that, God's even concerned about small things. Pray about friendships. That God would give you the right kind and that you would be the right kind of friend. And as you pray about that, if, if you see that you have friends that are anything but Christian friends. You need to evaluate how you're going to win them to the Lord. But be careful that you're not letting them 
shape the kind of man or woman you're being. If they're not men and women of the Lord, be careful. Don't follow in their foot. A, Christian, a good Christian friend is going to encourage you in the ways of the Lord. So if you've got the wrong kind of friend, not only pray about the right kind and being the right kind, but pray that you would influence friends that aren't believers, that you could have an impact on them. Practice hospitality. Call somebody up. Invite them over. Take the initiative. Again, Christian friendships don't just happen. Let me encourage you to look for those who are lonely. Chances are you know some people like that that you can reach out to. Take them out for a cup of coffee. Establish a friendship with them. That might be what they need in life more than they need anything else. You be that kind of person to them. Perhaps I'm talking to somebody this morning who needs the friend who tops all friends. He's there when nobody else can be. He's the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He'll be there even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and nobody else can go with you. He'll go with you. What's the song say? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Come to him. God invites you to come to Him. He will be your companion. Father, I pray for that one this morning who needs to come to Christ. They need that friend. Friend above all friends. Somebody who's not just a friend, but who's Lord and Savior. And can be with them through all the ups and downs and valleys and mountaintops of life. I pray that they'll come to Christ and say, Lord, humbly, I come to you confessing that I need you in my life. I need forgiveness. I need your presence in my life. I need your direction. Lord, I'm tired of living for the world and the things of the world. I need you. God, give them the courage to confess Christ openly and publicly. Father, I pray that each one of us right now would truly evaluate the type of friend that we are to others. Do we model what we see in the world or what we see in Scripture when we think of men like Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus? God, help us to model these people that we read about. Lord, these principles that we cover in your word aren't to stay locked away in the first century, but they are to be lived out and practiced by us even now. Where we have failed to be the Christian friend that somebody needed, God, forgive us where we have not modeled a servant's heart, God, forgive us. Where we've been selfish in friendships, God, forgive us. May we display the fruit of the Spirit 
whether we're hanging out with one person or a dozen or a hundred, may we model the fruit of the Spirit and may we be true friends that we can stand before you one day and give account of the type of friend that we have been to others. Lord, may we live as brothers and sisters in one family together, the family of God. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please?